Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. We started a series actually last Sunday, a little sub-series in the book of 1 Corinthians um, uh, on on the spiritual gifts. Um, this is the the great thing about going through the Bible when you just take a book of the Bible and you commit to preaching on every subject that 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 is written down there because we know that it was written for us. Uh, it was written as instruction for the church. It was written for us to know kind of how we should be on mission. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that we can just do church at home, right? Right now, like online church, I don't need to go to a building. I don't need, you know, I've heard somebody say this week that you can pray wherever you are. Um, And I actually remember having this conversation with a lodge owner that owned a lodge out in the bush somewhere. And he said, well, he doesn't go to church, but you know, when he stands out on a Sunday morning in the bush and he's looking at the sky and he's, you know, the trees and the birds and the animals, like that's his church. That's where he connects to God. And I said, that's really awesome if church was only about you connecting with God. But church is about more than just us connecting with God. We're all supposed to be doing that every day. Church is about us connecting with each other. And I said to him, how are you going to encourage someone else when you're standing out in the bush, when you're out in the, you know, in the, in the distance somewhere, you're all by yourself. You're not going to be able to fulfill God's purpose for your life. And God's purpose for your life, fulfilling it fulfills us. And so being on mission as a church means that we actually get to experience the fulfillment of of what it means to reach out to a city. Uh, Just last Sunday, we had four people respond and give their lives to Jesus, cross the line of faith and move from death to life, to eternal life. And we all got to share in that moment. Now, if if we're not gathering, if we're not together, if we're not on mission, then we miss out on that. And I think so many Christians today have said, I don't need the church, so I'll just do it by myself. But that's not God's design. It's not God's best for us. And so as we go through 1 Corinthians, you can see that Paul is 100% committed to the idea of church, the vision of what we as a people, the church is not the building, it's the community. The building is just where we get together. But the community of God, of God going out and making Jesus known, making Jesus real to the city. How are people going to, how are the people of, of the, our city going to encounter the reality of God, the reality of Jesus, if it isn't for the fact that we are going to make him known, make him not just known, but felt, help people experience God's presence. That's what we spoke about. That's what we spoke about last week when we, when I did a message called Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts, is, is the whole idea is, is that our faith is supernatural. It is spiritual. And it's based on the word of God. It's based on the, on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's also something that we experience. Right, we, we, we believe it, and from that point of belief, we also experience God's presence, His tangible Holy Spirit. And so all of us are meant to encounter Jesus in our daily lives. And we looked at some examples of how people were going on their journey in life until they came to a point where they actually had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that encounter is what changed everything, an encounter with Jesus. And so, and so the gifts of the Holy Spirit are real. They're tangible. They're supernatural, but they allow us to experience God in our time and in our space. And in that way, it makes Jesus known. And so faith, faith in Jesus is something that takes us beyond the natural. This is not just a philosophy. It's not just something that we, you know, believe in as as any other kind of 
system of living or philosophy of living. You know, it's not just some some self-help. Um, it's actually us encountering the true and the living God and becoming supernatural as he is. That spiritual part of us was in essence dead. That's what it means when it says that we're, we're, we're brought from death to life. It's spiritual death, not knowing our creator and then being brought back to life. So we become spiritual in the way that God created us um, through Jesus. And then God graces us. He gives us the abilities. He gives us the gifts. He gives us um, this opportunity to make that presence felt, to make him known uh, in a world that doesn't know him. And so ultimately what I love about this is that God wants to continue revealing himself in the same way that he revealed himself through Jesus to the world. And I, I love that when, when the disciples, especially Philip, who kind of always seems to be on the wrong end of the question, <laughs> when Philip gets up and he, he comes up to Jesus and Jesus has done like all these miracles. Jesus has, has been teaching them about the Father. Jesus has given them all this theological foundation and this foundation in faith. And then Philip comes up and he's like, so when are you going to show us the Father? Like, when are we actually going to see God? And it was like a complete facepalm moment for, for Jesus where he's like, Philip, have I been with you so long? <laughs> like, it, it, this sounds like me as a parent, like us as parents, talking to our kids. Like, how many times have we told you when you when you get out of the shower, hang up your towel? How many times? You know, and this is like Jesus with with Philip and his disciples going like, I've been. Do you still not get this? Like, those that have seen me have seen the Father. Jesus came to reveal God's heart. And that's why Hebrews tells us that, that in the past, God spoke uh, you know, by, by ver in various means, but now he's spoken through his son, Jesus. And, and Jesus is the express image of the Father. He's everything God has ever wanted to say. In him, we see what God's heart is. And what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? He took that, that heart of God and he made it tangible. And, and he preached the gospel, but he also prayed and people were healed. He restored people's lives. He's spoken to their value. He, I mean, he even had a kid's ministry, um, you know, where he, he spoke about the value of children and how God cares about children. And so in every area, whether it was the young or the old, the disabled, the broken, the sinners, Jesus ate with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. Um, we look at how he treated the woman that was caught in adultery. You know, all of those kinds of things. Like Jesus revealed that this is actually all those things that you've thought about God. Make sure they line up with the truth of who God really is. And that is so important. That's what Jesus came to do, to become that express image. And, um, and so the miracles, you know, Jesus at one point walks into the synagogue and, you know, he stands up and he asks for the, the scroll of Isaiah. And he reads this famous part, and it's in Luke 4, where Jesus basically says, The Spirit of the, of the Lord, God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bring this message to those that are destitute, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to bring uh, for those that are lame that they can walk again. In other words, there was a miraculous, powerful redemption in what Jesus came to do. And he, in that way, made God known. But then Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So a lot of people say, well, that was because Jesus has spoken, and because God has spoken through Jesus, we know who God is. And so we don't need the church to still do that job. Like that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says, see, and this is the key thing. We read that scripture last week where, where Saul says, who, who are you, Lord, when he has that encounter in Damascus? And Jesus says, says to him, 
I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But Jesus was already in heaven. How was, how was Saul persecuting Jesus? By persecuting his church. So the church is his body. So it's in the same way that Jesus was doing everything he was doing when he was on earth to reveal the heart of God. He now does that, but he does it through his church. And that's what's so powerful is that he says in the same way that the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And that is why we are on mission in a mad world. And if I didn't mention it earlier, that is obviously the title of our series in 1 Corinthians at the moment. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're speaking about. Last week, we looked at how Paul says, you know, I, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. He also says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, I, I want you to earnestly desire the Spirit. And I, I said this last week, but people people have changed that scripture to say earnestly despise <laughs> the gifts of the Spirit or even earnestly discourage. A lot of churches do more work to discourage the spiritual gifts than to actually desire it. And and Paul is writing to a church that, that you know, it's not a church of apostles. He's not saying to the apostles desire the, Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. It's not something that happened just with the apostles, but to the church in general. And it's there to build up, encourage and exhort the church and to be assigned to unbelievers as we are as God um, confirms his word with accompanying signs and wonders and so forth. And so we absolutely, as Anchor Church, we're continuationists. We see nothing in the scriptures that tells us that at some point God said, no, the church no longer needs encouragement. <laughs> They're fine. They can just read their Bibles and they'll be fine. But even when we read our Bibles, it's an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You know, it is all spiritual. And so God wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be a continuation of his declaration of his goodness, of his heart, to encourage, to exhort. Um, so whenever, you know, we talk about prophecy, for example, if people are using prophecy to discourage people or to shame them or to, um, you know, to kind of manipulate them, which has happened for sure. And we said last week, there are counterfeits out there, but we don't stop using Money, for example, because we know that they are counterfeit notes. You know, we, 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 can't, we don't throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater here. Um, so in the same way that whenever we've seen people misuse that and, and use prophecy and say that God is wanting to expose you right now, that's just not the spirit of Christ. That's just not, that's just not what it was intended for. The Bible says that even prophecy is there to exhort and to comfort, to build up. And so these are... It, it's to show God's heart in all of these things. It's not destructive. Um, God's power is expressed um, in different forms of his grace, but it's also, as we'll look at 1 Corinthians 13 coming up in the series, it's supposed to be about expressing God's love. That's what it's about. That's why love is the more excellent way because it's the it undergirds all of the gifts. So love is the foundation of the gifts because it's God's heart expressed. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 speaks about the gifts, and it says there are diversities of gifts, different gifts, but it's the same Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And so there you kind of have different gifts, different ministries, and different activities, which I can break down maybe in a, in a later message on this, but we're going to focus in on those gifts of the Spirit. But it says this, it says, but the manifestation, and we spoke about that word last week and how important it is, that it, a manifestation means something tangible is happening. It's not just in thought, it's not just in theory, it's not just we, we assume something is happening in the Spirit. There's something legitimate happening in in our present reality the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all 
This is intended to benefit all for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, and to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But it is the same spirit who works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. And and so they, generally we break those gifts up into three categories, uh, the revelation gifts, the inspiration gifts, and the power gifts, uh, you know, miracles and healings and, and, and faith and so forth. And today I want to focus specifically on the gifts that reveal. And so I want to talk about a message. I want to share a message entitled Inside Info. Um, I want to talk about how God actually reveals something to us in the spirit that we wouldn't have known that enables us to encourage, to exhort, to comfort, to reach out. Um, it's, an, it's, it's inside information that we get from God that enables us to love and serve our city better. And so this is, this is in, incredibly powerful. Uh, these are gifts that reveal something, something that would not otherwise have been known. Um, something that you may not even know that you know. It's not like God reveals it to you and then you walk around with that knowledge for weeks and months waiting to find out who it is that you're supposed to disperse the knowledge to. You know, it's like, but in a moment you just start saying something and it just comes out and, and, and God uses that to encourage somebody or to make his presence known. And I'll share one or two examples coming up. Um, but in 2 Corinthians, it actually tells us that eye has not heard yet or ear has not heard, eye has not seen, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that he loves. And, 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 and that whole scripture speaks about how even though we could have thought these things up, the Spirit of God has revealed these things to us. But his Spirit, the Spirit that searches the deep things of God, has revealed them to us. And, and so you might say, I don't believe in prophecy. I don't believe in inside info. I don't believe in, in you know, um, the spirit of discernment or, or, or anything like that or the discerning of spirits. Um, and so I don't believe those are for today. But the Bible says that the way that we know that we're Christians, the way that we know that we're children of God is because God's spirit has revealed to our spirit that we are children of God. So if God's spirit is revealing to us the truth of our salvation, why is he not also revealing to us wisdom and knowledge and discernment in different scenarios, it would be it would be illogical to think that God wouldn't do that, and so God's Spirit reveals, and ultimately, what it reveals to us is it reveals Jesus, and we've got to remember that that these don't point away. We never point away from Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to remind us of the things that Jesus said, and so it will always line up. That's one of the first things that you can use to determine whether something is counterfeit or if it isn't. Does it confirm what Jesus said? Does it confirm his life? Does it confirm the finished work of the cross? Or is it just moving beyond that? Because the moment it moves beyond that, um, you know, the moment, for example, somebody uses prophecy to condemn somebody, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that through me they may be saved. Okay, so that condemnation is not of Christ. So we can say that's, a, that's counterfeit. And so we, in, rather than throwing the gifts away, we just need to get better at determining the counterfeits and sticking to what's true. That's a far more biblically consistent way to handle that. Um, so the first one I want to look at in the, in the kind of inside info, and we're going to talk about these three in this time today. But the first one I want to look at is the word of knowledge. And what does the word of knowledge mean? What does it mean uh, where it says uh, there where we read in 1 Corinthians 
12 and then it mentions in uh, in verse in verse 7 it says the manifestation is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit so let's deal with the word of knowledge first um, here's an example of it all right in scripture because Jesus himself he was 100% God and 100% man at the same time, right? The hypostatic union, if you're studying theology. Um, but what he did was, when Jesus came to earth, he laid down his rights as God. And so, for example, he couldn't be omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere like God is, like he would have been before, because he's gone into the flesh. And so he can only be at one place. He's limited by space and time. If Jesus wanted to go somewhere, he had to walk there. And on the way, he'd get hungry and thirsty. So he was really human like us. And so the way that Jesus performed his miracles, the way that Jesus did all those things was through the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we do it today. And we know that because there was no miracles in Jesus's life until he was baptized by John the Baptist. And then it says after he was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. That was his baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus was able to um, to go out. And from that point, his ministry started. And for the next three years, he did countless miracles. So he operated by these gifts um, as the Holy Spirit enabled him. Um, and so one of these instances is in John 4, verse 16. In fact, we actually mentioned this a few weeks back, but um, in our Soul Winner series. But in John 4, verse 16, Jesus said to the woman at the well, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband right? So Jesus is like, okay, you've spoken correctly. I know that you've had no husband. So Jesus had some inside info here that the Holy Spirit revealed to him. And he says, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now have is not your husband. In this, you've spoken truly. And so Jesus was actually able, and, and remember, Jesus wasn't there to condemn this woman. He said, I'm here to, if you asked of, if you realized who I was, if you got a revelation of who I am, I would give you water to drink is speaking about that salvation and you would never thirst again true fulfillment that's ultimately what what jesus offered to this woman and he says well go call your husband and now he's he's showing her um just how true god is and she says i don't have a husband and he just goes i know because you've had five and you're living with somebody now who isn't that's the first time jesus had met her it's the first time he'd walked into that town but he's ultimately expressing that god is aware and so this is genuine. This is real. You know, people go, I don't believe in prophecy until you get one. And then, and, 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 and you're like, there's no way anybody could have known that about me. And that's just how God makes himself real to people oftentimes. And so um, this is not the gift of knowledge, okay? <laughs> because you don't need the Holy Spirit for that gift. You could just go to a university or go read a book or something, right? Like my, my kids are in school and, they, and they, they're getting the gift of knowledge right now. Um, this is actually the word of knowledge. So this is a fragment of knowledge given without context, released through the Spirit to a believer in a moment that reveals details that they would otherwise not have known, that enables them to, to connect with people. And I actually remember two occasions I can share with you. The one was I was playing a touch rugby game with a bunch of guys. Most of them were not believers. And, um, and on, uh, I did this for a while every Monday night. And afterwards, we were kind of sitting, taking off our boots, and we were chatting. And the guy asked me what I did for a living. And I told him I was a pastor. And kind of, I don't know how we got onto the topic, but started speaking about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and at one point, I said, no, you know, the word of knowledge. And so I'm explaining it to him. And I'm saying to him, it's kind of like if I said to you, 
you know, that third vertebra in your neck, you know, that was damaged, that God's healing that right now. And, and that would just be something that God would, would tell me and that I could share in order to encourage you. And he goes, what do you mean? He said, no, I'm just saying as an example, like God could reveal something like that to me. And he was like, but how did you know about that vertebra in my neck? And I was like, no, no, you see, that's the point. I didn't. Like, I had no clue. And I was like, did you have an issue? He's like, yeah, he had actually cracked that vertebra. And there was like a whole issue with the disc and everything. And, and so I was like, well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And you can see that God operates, that God is real. This guy came to church with his whole family that next Sunday. He was like so in, um, based on a word of knowledge. But I didn't even know I was sharing a word of knowledge when I was sharing it. There are other times where God has given me a specific word or a picture to share with somebody, something that he wants to say to them, which is more on the word of wisdom side that we'll cover now. But another time I remember was um, I was actually in high school and I, I think I was in grade 11 and I went to an athletic meeting and we were on the bus and there was one of the girls in uh, in matrix, she was a Hindu girl and, um, and she's actually still in, in, as far as I know, in full-time ministry today, kind of checked in with her every now and again. And she was just done with studying for matric exams. So she came on the bus just to watch the athletics. And so after the athletics, um, meeting, I ended up, I think sitting in front or behind her on the bus and we kind of struck up a conversation and it was about her kind of wanting to be a Christian and but obviously the conflict with her family was very real and so I looked at her and I have no idea why I said this but the first thing I said to her is have you been baptized because I really think you should be baptized so she burst into tears so I was like you know or not we can <laughs> like we can wait and see <laughs> you know whatever you feel like um, uh, and, and so and I was like why are you crying and she, she said that that she, literally the night before she prayed and she said to God God I don't know if I should get baptized. I don't know what my fa family will think. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. Can you speak to me and tell me whether or not I should get baptized? I'm a 17-year-old guy who's just run an athletic meeting. I'm not thinking. I haven't prayed for five hours. I haven't come down from the mountain. There's been no fasting. There's been no, you know, like I've just been downing like energades and stuff. And, and, and the first thing I think to say to her is you should get baptized. And that was an answer to a prayer. So that's the word of knowledge. God spoke through me just because I was available. And many people ask this, and we'll cover this maybe a little bit further on, because I know that um, people do operate in certain gifts, perhaps more regularly at times. Like some people, somebody that has, you know, a calling as a prophet, you know, in the office stands in the office of a prophet will operate by this gift more regularly than others. But the, this, the Holy Spirit distributes individually as he wills. And so any of us can operate by any gift, any gift. What's the best gift for the job? Well, if I told you that I needed to take, I had a toolbox next to me and I had to take a door off of its hinges and you gave me a hammer, it's probably not going to be the right gift for the, you know, I'm going to make a mess of it. But if you gave me a screwdriver, that's the best, best tool to use. So what's the best gift? It's the gift that's needed in that moment, right? You know, if somebody is sick, if you come across a car accident and somebody's dying and you want to pray for them and you need the gift of faith and the gift of healings in that moment, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I, can, I mean, I can give you a word of knowledge, but I don't, uh, that's not my gift. It's just not how it works. So the Holy Spirit can use anybody in any of these gifts as he wills. That's how he distributes. And it's used to encourage the believer to know that God is involved, that he sees you and he cares you. I've often felt God's heart when people have shared with me. I'm like, wow, God really knows. 
He really sees what's going on in my life. You know, he really cares. So the next one is the word of wisdom. And when we come to the word of wisdom, it's the same thing. It's this time, it's just a fragment of God's wisdom released that enables us to deal with uh, a future event or an event that we're in right now. You know, many times people are like in the valley of decision. They're facing crisis. They're going through difficulty and they're unsure which way to turn. They're, they're not sure what to do, you know, what would be the right course of action. And many times a word of wisdom actually comes and helps impart some of God's wisdom in a moment that enables people to, to uh, deal with that situation. And so um, it, it gives strategy, it gives insight. Uh, we saw, we see this in the book of Acts with Paul. He actually operated in this gift often. And, and in Acts 27, verse 9 to 10, it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, all right? So, so it's Paul speaking here, but this is really the, the word of, of wisdom. This is coming from God, this part of the spiritual gift. And he says, men, I perceive. So that perceive is, you know, he's, he's perceiving um, w- what's going to happen on this voyage. How could he perceive that? That's a future event. It hasn't taken place yet. So this is something that God is saying, I know the future, and this is some things that you should do. And, and Kelly, you know that we've actually been in a situation like that where we, even as a church team, we're thinking about certain actions to take. And, and you actually have had dreams before even that was like a word of wisdom to us saying, you know, don't, that's something that we, I dreamt about this and that's actually not a course of action we shouldn't take. And as a result, we were like, okay, well, we're gonna listen to the Holy Spirit and we have, and I think in that way, God's often safeguarded us, uh, even as a leadership team um, around decisions that we've made going forward, you know. So, so he says, men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. And so um, Paul's not just reading the weather. He's not just kind of looking at what's happening. He's perceiving spiritually what is actually going to happen on this voyage. Um, a little bit later in verse 18, it says, Acts 27, 18, it says, but, and because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat upon us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They realized this, is, this was foretold. You know, Paul could see this. We should have listened. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> Which is like the greatest I told you so of all time. I think he, he, it's, it feels like he held it in for, you know, several days. I mean, they're being driven across the ocean here um, by this massive storm. And several days later, he's like, well, I'm going to say it, you should have listened to me. He says, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you, take heart. So he shares another word of wisdom. And this is just so beautiful. It's God's heart. He previously said that there will be loss of life. This is, he perceives there's going to be some real danger. But now he goes, but take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. And so, God, and so, and I mean, it says he hasn't eaten for a few days. Maybe it's because they threw all the supplies overboard. Maybe he was fasting and praying for the lives of the people. And God spoke to him and said, hey, get up there and encourage these people now. Yes, they didn't listen. Yes, they've gone into this disaster. Yes, they will be lost, but I will protect their lives. And so Paul gets up and he shares another word of wisdom in order to encourage them. And so this is a fragment of God's wisdom released. Uh, we see it in Joseph and, his, and the dreams of Pharaoh where Pharaoh had several dreams and, and, um, and Joseph, was, were, Joseph was uniquely gifted to be able to interpret those dreams and share wisdom based on the dreams. So not only what it means, 
but what the action should be, the resulting action after that. Um, we also see the, 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 this operating in the prophet Agabus in the book of Acts as well, which is one of my favorite little bits of scripture. In, in Acts 21 verse 10, it says, And we stayed many days, um, and a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. So, I mean, can you just imagine this? Like, can you imagine you just go to church and the pastor gets off stage and walks over to you and takes your belt off? I mean, that would be a little bit of an, of an awkward moment. Um, but he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet. So he literally ties himself up with Paul's belt. And he says, thus says the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the gifts of the Spirit. Agabus is not a prophet. He's, or, or not, a, not an apostle. He's, he's a, standing in, the, in a prophetic office, just like we have today. And he says, he says, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And so he was foretelling, he was saying, saying to Peter, this is what's going to happen to you, or saying to Paul, this is what's going to happen to you when you go here. You're going to be bound. Now you might think, how is that encouraging? If, if prophecy is about encouraging people and exhorting and comforting, how is it encouraging to tell somebody that they're going to bind you up and tie you up the moment you get there, right? For many of us, that would feel like a warning. No, God's saying we should go somewhere else. But actually, no, God had told Paul to go there. He, he just wants Paul to know that when this takes place, it's not like I didn't know it was going to happen. And I tell you, I can't, I can't even mention all the times in my life where God has shared a word with me, and it encouraged me. And when something happened in my life, I remember one prophet saying to me, you'll come to a place where you'll say, why God? Why has this happened? But God says, never give up, never give up, never give up, for I am with you. So when it did happen in my life, and it wasn't like it was some negative thing that I could have avoided or whatever, it was just a natural you know, circumstance that came about without, um, you know, it wasn't engineered in any way. But when it happened, number one, I knew, God knew. He knew this was going to happen, and he told me he would be with me in it. And so it actually made me incredibly faithful filled and courageous in facing that moment because I knew God told me this would happen and he told me he would be with me. And so it shows us that when things happen, it's not unforeseen. God actually knows and he has a plan. And so he's never caught off God. That's so good to know. Um, and, and so we, we know that God protects us in all those things. Uh, finally, the last one I want to deal with this morning is the discerning of spirits. And the discerning of spirits in Acts 16, 16 to 18 um, is such an interesting case because you have this, this instance where there's a girl that's following Paul and actually saying really great things, right? You know, it would be like somebody sitting in the front of the church and crying, amen, preach it, brother, you know, the best sermon I ever heard, you know, whatever, like really encouraging. And she's, she's actually supporting Paul's ministry. Um, so it tells us in Acts 16, 16, it says this girl, followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That sounds pretty awesome, right? That sounds like biblical, sound, scriptural, supportive, whatever. And th she did this for many days. Okay, I suppose after a while it would get irritating. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said, listen to this, to the spirit said to the spirit, not to the girl. There was a spirit operating behind the girl. There was a spirit that was motivating the girl's actions. 
she was possessed by a spirit, and that spirit had intended to annoy and to detract from what Paul was doing. And so many times, people, even in churches I've encountered this, will will not be against what's happening. They'll actually be in church, and but they're doing it in a way that's taking away, that's actually taking the focus off of Jesus. That's actually harming people's ability to connect with God. And the enemy will do that. He'll parade as an angel of light. He'll come and he'll, and, and so how do we know the spirit behind the spirit? When everything sounds legit, how do we know that there is a spirit in operation that's actually working against us, even though it, on, the, on the surface level, it seems positive or it seems uh, like, it's, like it's from God. Um, he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So Paul turns around to this ministry supporter and drives a demon out of them in that moment. And there's a spiritual reality. There's a spiritual war. And whenever we as the church are on mission, the enemy is going to do whatever he can to detract. He's going to do whatever he can to bring division into the church, to break down, to, 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 to uh, create division. Whatever he can do that will subtract from, from the mission of God, he'll do that. And so we need to have the discerning of spirits to be able to know how to deal with not flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against those spirits in a very real way. And so we're all, let me say this, led by the Spirit, right? Uh, we know that in the gifts of the Spirit, there's, for example, the gift of faith. We all have faith. The gift of faith is just an additional um, um, supply of faith that helps us deal with a specific situation. In the same way, we all have discernment, wisdom, knowledge. You know, we all have that. But these are when the Holy Spirit adds to that. And actually, this is not just discernment in general, but the discerning of spirits in a moment. Um, so it's, it's more than just um, it's more than it's insight into the spiritual realm. That's what Paul received, insight into the spiritual realm. And we've had that. I mean, will you remember um, once when I got done uh, preaching a message and I got off stage and f- first thing, there's, there's a girl that came right up to me, stood in front of me and said I was lying to the people and, and started contradicting everything I sang, but so argumentative. I mean, we still tried for a good 10, 15 minutes to talk to her and to kind of, and she said, no, the Holy Spirit sent her to come and correct us and come and like tell us that we're, you know, um, and, and the examples of what she was using was so unbiblical that we instantly knew that this is actually a spirit trying to discourage us. And so, and so that happens. And so we operate with that kind of spiritual wisdom, which is really, really powerful, shows us what's truly happening. Um, it's not mind reading, right? So, so a lot of people are worried about prophets. And let me just say this quickly to talk about, because we speak about the, the and, and we'll get into this more when we actually speak about the gifts of prophecy. But we've mentioned prophets now once or twice. It's not like in the Old Testament where that prophetic word was 100% infallible. God operates with us. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And there are instances where prophets can say something and 90% of what they're saying is 100% God's word. And they add a little bit of their own influence on the end. And that's where we're told to discern, to test the spirits and to see. And it doesn't mean that if somebody has said one thing that's wrong, that they're a false prophet and must never be listened to before um, or again. But it does mean that, that we can, I've often had prophecies and I could actually feel that, oh, that's because he knows a bit of my context and he heard about that situation and he thinks this and this and this, but it really isn't how it is. And then there are other things where it's just like, oh, that's 100%. And so the other thing is, my grandfather always used to say, God doesn't have stepchildren. And so he's not gonna speak to somebody else to tell you something that he hasn't already told you himself, right? You are his child 
and the prophecy will confirm what God has already said to you, you know, um, which is so powerful. So it's not mind reading. It's not fault finding. It's not judging others. Um, this is the identifying of spirits. And the purpose is to guide us. It's there to warn us, to protect us, to give us wisdom, to lead in leadership, to use that. And so the gifts are tools that we can use. Um, the Holy Spirit is a revealer to reveal Jesus, to reveal God's heart. And he can use us to reveal God's heart to one another as the church, but also to our city, uh, to our nation. It speaks, it informs, it warns, it encourages, and ultimately we get to know God's heart in a greater way. And so those are the revelation gifts. Um, they are the gifts that reveal. They show us something about the heart of God. They give us that those fragments of knowledge and wisdom and discernment in order to reveal God's heart. Awesome. So um, we trusting that today you've been encouraged just finding out a little bit more about the power of the Holy Spirit, the reality of the spiritual realm. And you might have questions right now, and I'm sure you do. So please, please feel free to send us your questions. You can email them to us, info at anchorjoburg.org. You can even uh, send us direct messages on Instagram, on any of our social media accounts, uh, on our Facebook, if you're watching there, on YouTube. You can leave a question in the, in the comment section and we will get back to you. Um, if we have a few of them, we might even do some Q&A um, in these sessions each week. Um, and so, but we're just trusting that you are going to um, rely on the presence. Remember, the gift is not something you have to earn. It's a gift. It's yours simply by the Holy Spirit. So trust God to use you in these powerful ways because we know he has a specific plan and purpose for your life in making a difference in the lives of others as well. So keep being the church, keep relying on the Holy Spirit, and God will use us powerfully to impact the lives of others. And so let's go ahead and pray right now. I'd love to pray just for some people that are battling right now. We know of families that have been affected uh, through the pandemic right now, um, people that are sick right now, but also, um, you know, many that, that just want to operate in God's spirit in a more powerful way. So let's go ahead and, and just pray together for that. Father, we thank you right now that we can uh, come before you, that we can stand uh, in the promises of God for our lives uh, for our future, for our family, for our church, for our city, for our nation. We thank you, God, that first of all, we can pray that you would stand with every single family that is affected right now by this virus and every single family that is feeling discouraged, that, is, that is, has suffered the loss of an income, that has um, got any family members that are ill, anything like that, Lord. We thank you that you are the comforter, that you are the provider, and that you are the protector. For those that are sick in our church or have family members that are sick, we thank you that you are the healer. You are the one who heals. Jesus, you healed all those who were brought to you. And we thank you that we can trust for healing for every single person in Jesus' mighty name, that they will recover and that they will be well. We, put a, we ask for there to be an end put to all of the side effects and the lingering effects of those that have been infected. God, that there'll be supernatural healing in Jesus' name. We also just pray today, Lord God, for as a church, that you would just move powerfully by your spirit in our community, but also in our individual lives, in our families, in our community groups. As we reach out, as we minister, as we encourage God, that you would give us the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits, so that we can operate powerfully as you did on this earth, Lord, by the same spirit. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the tools that we have to make a difference. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.